Welcome to Talk With Us Tuesdays, brought to you by the Mental Health Diaries podcast. We thank you for joining us another week, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. What up, Warriors? Daisy Girl here, and today we have another amazing episode of the Mental Health Diaries podcast. I have with me here my co-host, best friend, co-blogger, and partner in crime, Lady DMC. Thank you so much, Desi Girl, for that beautiful introduction. What up, Warriors? Lady DMC here, and I'm happy to be back with you guys for another episode. So this week, we're going to talk about the lovely pandemic and how it has impacted all of our mental well-being. So whether you are a warrior or non-warrior, we've got something for you. Absolutely. I think this one's a good one, Desi Girl. I think this one's... One that hits home for every single one of us. Anybody who's alive right now, who's going through this whole COVID, coronavirus, Rona, whatever you want to call it, this whole thing that flipped our lives 180, this is the episode for you. You're going to like this one. (laughs) Oh, yes. So in this episode, you're going to see very different views. So Lady DMC, you actually had the opportunity to work from home during the pandemic. 100% correct? I did, yes. I was actually home for a good seven to eight weeks when this whole situation started. So yes, I was privileged and blessed to be able to to continue my work from home. But I know you, Desi Girl, I know you had the polar opposite. You being in the Mm -hmm. field, you being a social worker, you actually had to be out there, one of our essential workers. Thank you so much to you and all our essential workers out there for hats off real mvps out there just handling everything while the rest of us were stuck in four walls you guys were out there risking yourselves and keeping the world moving forward so i i want to know what that experience was like for you oh goodness um so let me take you back to mid-march when covid was confirmed to be a real thing in the media (laughs) um because we we were what I was going to say it was real. (laughs) You know, we had some question marks in January and February. Um, (laughs) So not quite sure. (laughs) But yeah, so in mid-March, I remember I was at work and, you know, it was getting pretty serious to the point that staff was asking like, hey, I don't feel safe coming to work. And we didn't really know what COVID was at the time. All we saw was what the media was showing, which is death after death after death. And um, we also saw patients um, reacting to watching the news and seeing all these deaths happening. So patients asking, well, why, why are we you know, still having group therapy? Why are we still meeting in a small closed in space area? And you know, at the time we, we can't stop treatment, right? We can't be like, okay, well deuces people, like I need to go home and <laughs> you know, quarantine. It was, how are we going to revamp the mental health system? And, you know, I, my employment, they did an amazing job in trying to figure out how to balance the two and saying, okay, how are we going to keep the least amount of employees out, but still get the mental health services going in? Mm -hmm. And I want to say we were like 50, 50 in the beginning, but it was, you know, because the days I was on-site were 10, 12, 13 hour days. Oh my God. Oh, it was like working two days in one. 
just like the patients of course they're freaking out like i can't just up and root myself and go home and you know staff we come and go so we are more um susceptible to getting covid and passing it into the unit it was just like a whole hot mess and i just remember the positive was that the roads were clear there was no one on the road i was just so happy <laughs> that was the only beautiful thing about this whole thing was california traffic was not california traffic for a while <laughs> i was like wow this is what it feels like to drive on non-rush ever time <laughs> it took a huge toll on my mental well-being um my anxiety definitely was put on the back burner um self-care was put on the back burner it was literally i woke up went to work, did my job, came home, ate, went to bed. It was, there was no in-between time. Um, it, it was very difficult because we didn't know what was really going on with COVID and we were expected to give that reassurance to our patients and staff ourselves was, we were afraid, like what's happening, you know? Um, when we heard our fellow staff members that did test positive, we were like, oh my gosh, like, what what is that what does that mean like is it like the flu where they're just gonna be out for a week or is it gonna be like that's it like that's the last time we saw them so it was very we were walking on eggshells it was so hard and i i remember being at the rite aid plaza um i went to jamba juice and i just remember like i i just can't do this i can't i've i've been going go 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 for at that point it was like months it was like towards the end of the year and i was like i just can't i can't do this it's it's taken a toll on myself i'm seeing fellow staff members just drop like flies because either people were like i can't i can't deal with this you know environment and it wasn't like the employer's fault it was we just didn't know what to do we were so we were just not prepared to have in a pandemic where everything is just shut down um i had friends that worked you know for the county and other places and they all were like i'm done i just i bounced i couldn't do it anymore and you know the medical aspect of medical professional professionals were working 20 hour shifts 24 hour shifts and first responders were doing the same so there was a large group of people that were just expected to keep on like chugging and yes we kept on chugging but at the same time we ourselves were put on the back burner and our mental well-being was put in the back burner we were just expected to okay you deal with this you go to the next thing and i just can't imagine the medical staff the first responders that were there with the patients that did have covid that were on the ventilators or whose family were through a screen what they had to experience and what they're going through now that the pandemic is i guess over i'm not quite sure yet but <laughs> you know sort of over <laughs> We have no idea where this thing is right now. <laughs> I mean, long story short, from someone who was the essential worker, it was very tolling on my mental well-being. No, and I can imagine, which is exactly um, why when I asked you the question, you know, I know you come from that field. I know you were there front and center, you know, having to deal with, as I said, I, I guess I didn't realize, you know, how privileged I was, you know, I was safe in my home. I mean, was I at risk of getting COVID? Yes, but it was much less than you that had to be out there seeing people, seeing patients each and every single day. And as you said, not only yourself as a social worker, but you know, as 
you know, the medical professionals, nurses, doctors, firefighters, essential workers, grocery um, store workers. That's why I'm saying you guys are so deserving of our respects, of just our kudos, our thanks. Because you guys put yourselves out there on the line. I know that you guys had to put fiancés, spouses, um, partners, family, friends on the back burner. Had to put all that aside to make sure that the world kept going for us. To make sure that we were provided with the services that we needed. Our food, our safety, our mental health in your case. You know, so just thank you guys. You Desi Girl to all our warriors out there who you know, are essential workers and have had to go through this. Just thank you guys for being out there and being so selfless to put our well-being and our safety before your own. You know, it, it takes someone very special, very strong to be able to do that. So my heart goes out to you guys and my thanks goes out to you guys. And I know that a lot of the warriors listening out there would be joining me in, in thanking you. And I also wanted to go back to what you were saying about how uncertain we were at the beginning of this. The uncertainty remains now, but for me, it took me back. I know we had discussed this before, you and I, Desi Girl, but it took me back to um, it took me back to twenty to the nine eleven terrorist attacks, where you know I heard the news going to sixth grade to my class when my mom was driving me, and I just thought, oh, you know, it's probably just another another robbery or another something you know the major news just always takes everything out of proportion then when i got to class found out that our teachers weren't even teaching that day like all we did was turn on our tvs and watch fox news or watch nbc to see our towers fall to see our country be attacked this whole COVID thing took me back to that experience because it's like you said we started hearing in march of last year of this covid and i was like covid yeah people are getting sick people are in hospitals this and that and i was just thinking to myself okay eh, it's probably just another flu probably something that we're gonna have to you know do a little bit of research on but we'll be fine you know we'll we'll find some treatment for it and we'll figure all this out as we figured out the other illnesses then all of a sudden i just see the numbers and the stats go up and people dying and it's all of a sudden like okay not only are people getting sick but you can't go out you can't see each other everybody stay home and then i started seeing that it wasn't just here in the u.s but it was in in my country of origin in Colombia and it's like oh no it's not only in Colombia this is actually a pandemic it's affecting every single nation in the world I was like holy crap okay so hold on hold the phone like this is this we're not messing around here this is for real this is something that we had never experienced before and it's not just us it's every single person that's walking the earth right now that's being touched so two things that have happened in my life that I didn't believe were as serious in the beginning and turned out to be some of the worst experiences that I've ever had to live through. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, um, you know, I remember where I was when 9-11 happened and, you know, we were both in sixth grade. Now, let's fast forward to the pandemic and all these kids that were uprooted from their routine of, you know, I go to school and I see little Johnny and then little Johnny and I play tag before class and then we have class and then we do this and we do that. And that being said, okay, here's a laptop. Now we're learning. Um, well, I think in the beginning they weren't even doing classes. I think it was just an extended spring break 
because I remember a lot of people, a lot of kids were um, extended, like their spring break was extended by like a month. And then yes. when they realized that n there was just no hope of going back was when they started doing, what do they call it now? Um, distance learning. learning. Yeah. So then they started doing distance learning and that not only impacted the kids, but the parents because you know, some parents who work, I have um, family friends who work in the medical field and they're like, yeah, I don't have anyone watching my kid. So now what am I supposed to do? Um, imagine how that impacts, it, it impacts all parties. That's why we said at the beginning of this episode that it doesn't matter how old you are, it's gonna impact you starting from the kids. As you said, little Johnny is, used to seeing little Fred, you know, at his playground, playing tag, going on the monkey bars, coloring together, or taking the same class together, then all of a sudden it's, mom tells you, oh, sorry, you can't see little Fred. You know, we're, we're not able to, to say hello right now. We have to stay at home. And then going to the adults of the fact that potentially they're already thinking about, you know, their finances. They're already thinking about how they're going to maintain their home, a roof over their head, the basics, their their health needs, their food, you know, worrying, making sure that none of their family members or loved ones get sick. And on top of that, you're adding the responsibility of, okay, you have your normal adult duties, but you're also going to become your child's educator. So imagine trying to balance one more new thing. I know for me, and I'm not even a parent, I'm not even a mom yet, but you know, just thinking of the fact that how much respect we adults must have found for educators, their job is not easy. Parents are, are stressed with one or two kids potentially at home. Now imagine having 15, 20, 30 kids that you're looking after trying to provide that same education. So, I think it just gave us a newfound respect for each other, a new sense of empathy for each other, a new sense of love, not being able to hug your loved ones, hug your friends, having to do the whole air hug or the wave via Zoom or via video call, you know. I, I think it's changed our way of thinking forever. And I think this is exactly why my colleagues and I say that, you know, when we, we're going to get back to normal, quote normal, but it's not going to be our old normal. It's going to be a new normal. This has changed us and has left a, a residue, a scar, so to speak, in us that is going to last us a lifetime. And I think we're this one's one for the history books, for sure. Um, so mental health was second fiddle prior to the pandemic. And now after the pandemic, mental health is going to be a primary. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is a shortage of mental health um, therapists think of the word but therapist um so warriors out there non-warriors out there if you're interested in mental health look into getting your master's in social work or your master's in family therapy or getting your society or phd in psychology um going into becoming a psychiatrist because mental health from here on out is only going to get worse because that residual trauma that was brought on from the pandemic hasn't even been it's not even shown yet like like i said a you know a few minutes ago we aren't quite sure if the pandemic is even over yet and exactly so when it is officially over then then what's going to happen what is life going to look like i was looking on facebook before we were um filming today and there's all these parents like oh are you choosing in person or hybrid or um what 100 from home and you know all these parents are like oh i'm sending my kid to school because my kid 
need school. They need that, you know, classmate interaction. And, you know, high schoolers are like, you know, I, I want to go back to school. I want to be part of the football team, the cheerleading team. I want to go to prom. I want to go to graduation. You know, I want to go to grad night or whatever it may be. You know, these kids missed out on a lot of milestones. There's a group, a large chunk of people who missed out on a graduation, missed out on prom, missed out on homecoming, um, missed out in signing yearbooks. I mean, remember when we used to get our yearbooks, we would like, that's like the yes. last week of school, what that was your dedication to. Imagine, imagine losing all of those opportunities when that was the last time you were going to get that. The seniors, the eighth graders, the fifth graders. Um... But there's another population that I felt like was left unnoticed was the children of parents who don't speak English. Um, when they were expected to work from home, mom and dad didn't know the curriculum. Mom and dad didn't even understand the language that was being taught here, let alone the curriculum. Those children suffered. Um, I, I know of some people whose children have developmental disorders and right around the pandemic is when they were I think starting to get like the treatment place and have like a whole thing a game plan per se and when the pandemic hit they were just told sorry tough tough luck like figure it out on your own we can't do anything right now because again mental health wasn't prepared for a pandemic so how in the world are we supposed to have an ABA therapist come into your home for four hours once a week to help your kid when we can't even have you in the office or come to the hospital so there's a chunk of children and parents who are completely not spoken about. Um, I'm sure, you know, your Colombian heritage, like I'm sure you've heard of this, that there were many children whose parents only spoke Spanish and they needed help with their English or history homework and mom and dad couldn't help them. Oh, most definitely. Um, I actually work for a business organization. So um, we actually work with nonprofits. We work with um, our local school district. And we work very closely with with people who who work with families and children and students. And that was actually a very important topic. I'm so happy that you brought that up because, you know, I work... I work in an area that has been very impacted not only with technology, but with the Hispanic slash Latino community, you know, and that was one of the main struggles that they had. Many of them weren't ready to transition to that distance learning, as you were saying. Many of these students didn't have an iPhone, didn't have an iPad or a laptop, you know, to be able to connect to their classes. And like you said, many of these um latinos come from humble beginnings you know they come from from families that if they finished elementary school you know it was a lot you know and again with the language barrier right there potentially they know maybe a couple words of english or no english at all so how is it that they can provide that education to their children when one they either never received it themselves or two they don't even speak the language so most definitely that was a struggle for for families during this situation and one that has been very much discussed in my personal life and in my area of work fortunately uh, i got to um I got to pass through the situation when I'm already in my adult years, when I've already completed my my schooling, my college, everything. But I know that for a lot of people, that wasn't the case. For a lot of people, they did have those 
those students who are trying to excel, those students who are trying to continue their education, little kids who who were learning their basics, their maths, their ABCs, their one, two, threes, you know, that couldn't continue that or that didn't have the appropriate person next to them during this whole COVID situation to help them get to that point, you know? But it's funny that you mentioned about how parents were communicating like on social media and such about in-person, about hybrid and things like that, making those choices. It has come to that point where parents do have to make that decision of, okay, I want to send them back, yes, for their education. It's important for kids to keep up, and I understand that. But it's also come to the point where we need interaction with each other again for our own mental well-being, you know? Like, I remember that you and I, Desi Girl, we were able to hang out not too long ago. And just being able to, to physically see you, being able to just go and hang out and have some food together was amazing because we hadn't been able to do that in forever in a day. You know? So, Lady DMC, I'm going to have to disagree with you because I, you know, I didn't work 100% telehealth. I did go in more than I telehealth. And having to go from pretty much doing a two-person job to now possibly a one-person job, I, we didn't really get that break, per se. We didn't get that, you know, okay, here's a, here's a beat and then now you may go and continue and for these kids that are going back to school a lot of these kids especially the ones that dealt with bullying who may have a mental illness that wasn't being managed well in the classroom setting are really gonna struggle when they go back um i know that the amount of bullying has gone down significantly since the pandemic and you can only imagine now these kids are going back and some of these kids are like, oh, well, I remember when you were on Zoom, like your mom walked by with this and this and or, you know, why don't you have a laptop? Why were you doing this? So it's like it's a new form of bullying that's going to start now because kind of, you know, this is your home is your safe place. And then that was exposed to you, right. Your home was your classroom for almost a year, over a year now. And now that's being exposed. And now people know like, oh, this is how they live or they didn't have a laptop so there was like three of them on this zoom call or whatever so i think we really need to be mindful when we go back to normal because normal is not going to be like you said the normal we're used to and we don't even know what normal is right now because we don't know what the reality of the situation is right now i know you know we live in california and we're one of the states that has the highest vaccination rate right now but we also still have a lot of COVID positive cases happening. It's plateaued in California. So we're not decreasing, but we're not increasing. So life can look very different. I know theme parks are opening up again. Movie theaters are opening. Bowling, I mean, the bowling alleys are open. So life is going back to normal again, but are we ready for it? And I think that's the beauty of this platform, the beauty of what we're doing, because this is exactly where that two, that double perspective comes in. And I think at this moment, we can agree to disagree only because we experienced the pandemic so differently. You were in the front lines. You were out there with the exposure, with the fear of, you know, getting sick. But I had the other experience potentially of what those parents and those children have um, have been through as well in terms of 
you know how i discussed in my post as well that it came to a point where i'm a homebody but i figured out starting that march that when i am told when i'm obligated and told you have to be in your four walls like you can't go out right now it makes me crazy it makes me nuts and I want to go out. Like for me, even going out to the mailbox, stepping out to wash my clothes at my laundromat, you know, in my apartment complex, to me felt like going to Disneyland. It felt like going to to a local beach. It felt so amazing. Being able to get out of my home, get out of my four walls felt great. It felt wonderful. It felt like taking a trip all over again. What I agree with you and what the point that I would take to my side from what you said is, do we have to do this cautiously? Almost definitely. I could tell you in my home country of Colombia, they're having very big struggles right now because people, one, weren't paying attention to the pandemic. They thought this was all just a joke. It was a game, you know, that nothing was going to happen. Now they're at 100% ICU capacity again, no ventilators, with patients having to be um, transported to other cities of the nation because the hospitals can't take them in right now. I was sent videos from my family on WhatsApp of how, you know, family members trying to visit their loved ones who are not doing so well. That line circles our local hospitals because they're trying to to have at least a moment, if not the last moments with their family members before, you know, they can't see them anymore or whatever. Do I agree that we have to do this gradually? And do I agree that even if theme parks or bowling alleys or whatnot, all this entertainment is opening up again? Maintain that social distancing, maintain the masking. I agree with putting a percentage of how many people can be in one place at one time. I like that limiting capacity. But I do think that if that we need to start slowly transitioning into whatever that new normal is and still keeping an eye on on how the stats go from there. I don't think it should be just willy nilly 100% everything opens. But yes, I think. I can see parents' point of wanting to get their kids back to school, wanting to get them that social interaction. If I was a parent, I think that would be my main concern. Their education, of course, but you can always make that up and you can always help your child catch up to whatever was missed. It was nobody's fault that they missed a year or that they got behind a year. You know, this is something that we were all cut up, caught up in last minute. But, you know... Again, due to what you were saying, kids missing their prom, kids missing their first, maybe seventh or eighth grade dance, you know, things like that. It's time to get the kiddos back into that, into that world yet again and having them be kids and having us be adults again. I mean, I know personally, I love going and walking a mall, even if it means window shopping. And we're social beings. We need that. We need to see people. Even if you don't know the people around you, just being able to see someone grab a, a cup of Starbucks or just seeing people walk by you is so good for your mental health. No, I agree. I just think that we need to be cautious. From the mental health standpoint, we have to be very cautious because life is not the same as it was and whenever the pandemic started, I'll just say February 2020, since we didn't really know about it till March. <laughs> but life was very different then, and stressors were very different then, triggers were very different then. Now, a year later, and life is very different. We've been cooped up in our house, or we've been running overtime trying to do all this. 
and now it's kind of expected like okay just go back to how life was before but life isn't the way it was before and neither is mental health the influx of depression and anxiety diagnosis has tripled in the last year why because of isolation because of what they see on the job front because of you know not being able to know how to cope with these negative feelings negative stressors um alcohol sales have tripled i mean i know that a lot of like um people were saying like i was day drinking like the, this was a whole year of getting paid to drink on the job and <laughs> those of you that did that shame on you shouldn't be <laughs> but anyway oh just joking but <laughs> no but like with all seriousness like that all of this has changed. People were self-medicating. Um, I have a, no, I get it. I have a friend. He's a director at a addiction facility here um, in Southern California, and he was telling me, I want to say it was like two weeks ago that they opened their doors again, and it's an inpatient setting. And so, from February of last year to two weeks ago, they had closed down completely. There were no patients, and majority of these patients were left to fend for themselves on the street because family didn't want anything to do with them. Um, and the contingency was you need to get clean, so go to treatment, but treatment got shut down because of COVID and it wasn't deemed an essential um, business at the time. So these people were left to fend on the street. Well, what do you do when you're homeless? You get in trouble, right? And so these people ended yeah. up engaging in substance use. They were increasing their substance use, using stronger drugs. Um, and now like the doors are open and they're trying to get these patients, they have an outreach team. And so they went out, literally went looking so addiction facilities are at max capacity now and it's not you know because the homeless community is checking in it's us professionals who dealt with the pandemic and didn't know how to deal with the pandemic so that's how we dealt with it with substance use um internalizing things engaging in negative behavior reckless behavior um on the news a few days ago there was a lady that she spent one billion dollars on online shopping this woman doesn't have oh my god she doesn't even have the money this is a stay-at-home mom (laughs) and she was like but i just didn't know what else to do because she's like you know i have a whole schedule i i drop the kids off then i go to coffee with my friends and then i go for a walk and i do this and this and that all got shut down you know my point being is mental health from the mental health standpoint we've got to be cautious we've got to tread lightly we've got to be on high alert and seeing our fellow you know warriors and non-warriors what's going on are you okay checking in i know last episode we talked about how important support systems are that's going to be equally as important now with this transition of going back to our quote-unquote new normal no and i completely get it and i think that's 100 right there i i completely agree that for everybody's sake not only for you guys that already did so much for us the least we can do out of respect and out of thanks is to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves you know so that so that the workload can start easing on you guys too like i can even imagine the day drinking i can imagine the the stress i can imagine everything that you guys went through i put myself you know for a moment in the shoes of a of a nurse or a doctor you know having to to watch hundreds or potentially even thousands of people pass you know during this times and i'm just thinking you know i don't i don't want to help that cause like I completely agree with that. That's why I'm saying the masking, the social distancing, and you and I are on the same page on that. Just not willy-nilly, you know. Yeah. I'm definitely definitely doing it strategically. For sure. And I think part of that strategicness is placing mental health 
resources, mental health, you know, having a counselor on site on, you know, educational facilities, um, having EAP mm-hmm. people come into employment places and saying, hey, just wanted to check in, see how are you doing? How are you coping? Um, being each other's eyes and watching out for one another. Like, hey, you know, I lear- I noticed that little Joe over there, you know, it just he's always late to work or he's calling out all the time or, you know, having those being aware of your surroundings. I know we live in this like tunnel vision world, but that's just not going to work anymore. We need to be aware. We need to have resources in place. I know mental health has been changed forever. Private practice has been changed forever. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a later episode. But, you know, people who were going to therapy regularly, you had no therapy for a, a pretty good chunk of the pandemic because therapists had to invest in programs that they had never thought they would ever need there were therapists who are very old school that you know still do their clinical notes on paper and (laughs) we learned to type everything to learn to zoom or you know um there's that hip aspect of it making sure that there's that confidentiality still there um um if i may talk from a professional standpoint so you know we have three man we're mandated reporters so we have three things danger to self danger to others or child abuse could you imagine me talking to a patient them telling me yes i'm going to kill myself and i have a plan and the plan is feasible what what am i supposed to do you know you can tell me you're at home right now and you all you could be you could be at a hotel right now right and exactly. I, you know, i'll call 911 i'll tell the cops this is what's happening they're on the phone with me but all you have to just click that red button and hang up on me right now now what do we do how do we know what's going on? How do I know that you're at the address you told me at or you're not going to engage in self-interest behavior or, you know, end up killing yourself? So, I mean, you could easily press that red button on your screen and the call and now what? As therapists, we don't know where you're at. We, You know, you told me you were at home, but all you, we know you could be in Anaheim in a hotel or something. So, it, mental health was not prepared for the pandemic they had to quickly rearrange themselves to meet the pandemic needs and now that the pandemic is sort of over we're still not ready because i know some therapists who are like yeah i don't think i'm ever gonna go back and it's cheaper for them to to have these like telehealth appointments i know some therapists that are like i want to come into the office but there's clients that just like i can we talk over the phone can we talk over skype so it's it's very different i mean therapy in itself is going to be very different there's going to be trauma that we're not um educated on there's trauma from the healthcare perspective the trauma of the mental health workers that were working during the pandemic um the trauma of being isolated how are we going to deal with that how what what protocols are going to be placed are we going to educate teachers to look for signs in children are we going to educate employers to look for signs in employees like what are we doing from the mental health standpoint and that's what kind of i was going at when you said oh you know we should slowly increase activity again i agree the world should move towards being normal again see that's the thing though and i com- i completely get what you're saying but not only from the mental health perspective but just in general we weren't ready for this so all those variables that you um are are bringing to our attention from the professional side in terms of how treatment is going to have to be modified you know it's completely understandable that a lot of people don't want to be in person not even with the therapist right now you know because of fear of getting sick you know the new traumas that you were talking about the isolation we've never had to do that we've never had to quarantine um 
Potentially, it could have caused a lot of trauma, a lot of sadness, and students having to miss their prom. Not because, not because they they didn't want to go, but because they had to. You know, because of little kids having to experience potentially losing family members. God knows how many family members at a young age due to COVID. Things like that, you know, most definitely. I think it's it's going to be a learning process as it has been for all of us. And I would like to echo what you said earlier as well. Because we know there is going to be this new influx, because we know there's going to be these new variables propping up when COVID finally does disappear, hopefully here in the near future. Um, if you really have the heart, if this has touched you in any way, if Mental Health Diaries has had an impact on you, and you are thinking of going into the mental health field, please do. We need those extra pair of hands, those extra pair of eyes. We need you guys out there. We need you to be a Desi girl. We need you to be someone out there who can help us warriors that need you guys. So please do. It's, it's a very... I know it can be a taxing career, but it's I know it's going to be rewarding. Just knowing how many lives you can save, how many lives you can change, how many people you can help. Please go out there and join that crew, join that family that is helping others. We're going to need it now more than ever, as Desi Girl was telling us. And I'm just echoing her words right here from the professional perspective. From the social worker's perspective, I'm giving it to you from a warrior's perspective as well. Go out there. We need you. <laughs> and you don't, you know, don't have to make a career out of this, but helping out. I know the NAMI is going to have their um, mental health awareness walk next month in Southern California. Um, and I believe it's up north as well. So Northern California is doing it as well. Just taking it, take part that, you know, this year NAMI is actually doing a virtual walk. So just take out your cell phone, take your friends out, go for a walk, take a hike, but support mental health because it's so important especially after this pandemic and we don't know the residual of what it's brought on we won't find out for years probably but let's be prepared let's have our eyes open and let's help one another warrior non-warrior all right warriors well this is all we have today um i'm gonna let lady dmc tell you a little bit more about mental health diaries and what we have to offer Alrighty, Warriors, so if you're listening to this episode and maybe you're thinking, these gals are kind of cool, like, how is it that I could reach out to them? We have lots of platforms that you could go ahead and tell us what you like, what you don't like, give us your suggestions. Let us know if there's anything, any sound issues or anything that you notice from our episodes. Please reach out to us. You could do so either through DMing us on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our, our handles are at mental health diaries too please keep an eye on that desi girl does a wonderful job at keeping our social media platforms up to date providing you with information i know this month she's really focused on autism awareness which is absolutely wonderful so go ahead and reach out to us there we also have our website which is where our podcasts um, are coming from because that's where we post our blogs so if you would like to know a little bit more behind the scenes of what it is that we were thinking or what it is, where it is that we're inspiring ourselves for, for these discussions here on Mental Health Diaries podcast, go on the www.mentalhealthdiaries.net website and you could find out more information on what we've written for you on there. 
if you would like to go ahead and um, send us a quick message, maybe you're shy, maybe you just prefer to say a little quick hello. Trust me, I check my phone like the morning paper. I have my email on there. I have our mental health diaries email on there. So reach out to us at mentalhealthdiaries2 at gmail.com. We will get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. Let us know. Um, any suggestions? Simple hello. I give your kudos. I give all your love all the way to Desi Girl as well because I know that we get thrown a lot of love there. So... Yeah, I I think that's all I have for them today, Desi Girl. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next week, Warriors. Till then, stay safe. Bye. We thank you for tuning into this episode. Please don't forget to comment and subscribe to the Mental Diaries podcast.